What's up, everybody? I got a fun one for you today. But before we get started, let me get my asks out of the way. Uh, if you're getting anything out of the uh, content that I'm bringing to you, uh, this is a value for value thing here. So try to shoot me some value back if you can. You can do that a number of different ways. Uh, one of the easiest ways is to share the show. Share it with a friend, share it with a family member, uh, share it on your social media if you uh, feel so inclined, you know, like drop it like, hey, man, I found this cool podcast. I think you guys should check it out. That's that's an easy way. It doesn't cost anything. Just a couple of clicks or pokes with your finger and uh, boom, it's done. Another way you can is if you're listening on Apple or iTunes, um, you can rate and review the show. So that is go in. You can either give it a, you know, whatever star, it's up to five stars. You can poke that and give me a, a rating. And then also, too, you can review the show. So if you've heard an episode and let's just say, oh my God, that was so funny. And, you know, or maybe. Something helped you. You heard somebody, you know, one of the guests that I have um, helps you out in some sort of way. You know, you can you can always review it and let everybody know how you enjoyed it or 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 not enjoyed it. I mean, it goes either way. You know, can't always be everybody's flavor. What else? Um, I am on. All sorts of different platforms, Spotify, um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on all of the places, YouTube, uh, I'm even on Rumble, and I'm on Odyssey too, but I don't, Odyssey, I don't really, I don't understand that one. So Rumble is where I've started putting other stuff that I don't, or can't put on uh, uh, YouTube, so you can go there and uh, if you want to, and in all the other ways of supporting me monetarily, you, know, you can buy me a coffee, you can, uh, you know, donate however you wish monetarily. And the best way for all of that is through my link tree. I do have a website, but I can't figure out how to, how to do all that stuff. And I don't, and this isn't making anything, any kind of money yet. So, or getting any sponsorships, not that it's not, um, that's not worth it. It's just that I haven't had the time to seek that out. And I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't ask a whole lot. So I just kind of do my thing and, and, you know, it's costing, it's costing money, but it's, uh, it's something that I enjoy doing. So anyhow, what else? Is there anything else uh, that I need to kind of direct your attention to? Oh, yeah, the link tree. So L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash nowhere to go but up. And uh, yeah, that'll be in the description as well as all the links, uh, for the guest and in all the information that you need, uh, if you wanted to get a hold of the guest or myself, uh, all that's in the description or show notes, if you will. And, uh, yeah, this is a, this was a fun conversation. Uh, it's about 
uro- urologist. I mean, it's so, uh, so I married a dick doctor that fixes women too. She wrote a book. That was a book. And it, <laughs> I'm going to, you'll get a, des- you'll get a description once we get through the, uh, through the uh, intro, but yeah, it, it's it's talking about penises, vaginas, um, all all kinds of uncomfortable uh, things to talk about, and we managed to do it, and we get into some other topics as well. But uh, it, it it was a fun one, and I I, I thought I'd drop this one in because uh, it's been kind of serious up until now, and so you know, let's just throw a little bit of fun in there. I'll see if I can find another fun one. Uh, from the queue and that queue is still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. And so that's, it's just, it is what it is at this point. It's too much work for me to by myself to get through all of those to try and, and, and drop them. So some of them may make it, some of them may not. Uh, I don't know where I'll put the ones that don't, but I mean, they'll probably be behind a paywall somewhere. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that was the, the, uh, that's why I'm dropping this one. And this one was in May of 2020, but the, the content in it is, is pretty evergreen. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Listening back to it. I, I was laughing at myself. Uh, There's a couple of times where you can hear the, uh, discomfort or not discomfort, but just sort of like uncomfortableness of the questions that I'm asking or I mean she's asked me some questions I think too and then there was one time where I think I asked a question that got her uncomfortable so it was uh it was funny so I hope you enjoy it I certainly enjoyed recording that one I can remember and it was it was back when I was living in my my fifth wheel so some of these older ones and even in the in the video I think I had a I didn't have a green screen back then but I had the the background that kind of like, you know, you can sort of half see stuff through the, you know, outline of yourself, of your background. And, uh, yeah, so some of them you'll end up seeing are the RV that I was living in at that time. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's nothing else. I'll, I'm trying to get some more uh, uh, to you this, this month, um, during the month, instead of loading them all up at the end of the month. So... Yeah, let's just get to the show. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up? This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I am your host, Sean Dustin. Today, I am talking with Madeline Zeck Ruiz, and she is the author of a book called 
I married a dick doctor who fixes women too. And it's about urology in both sexes. Um, and if you don't know what urology is, um, urea, urethra, uh, it has to do with, uh, urinary tract, uh, stuff like that. I'm assuming I'm no doctor myself. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm an expert in me and pretty much that's it. How you doing, Madeline? Hey, how are you doing today? Good, good. We had a we had a great conversation a little bit earlier this morning, so hopefully we can keep that rolling into uh, into this uh, podcast. That was fantastic, wasn't it? And we sure will. <laughs> right on. So tell me, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your book. What made you uh, want to write a book uh, about that topic? <laughs> right. That is just such a tough topic, isn't it? I can't believe that I have a book with that title, but indeed I do, and I'll tell you why. Um, So I'm originally from Seattle, born and raised, and I was a corporate chick, worked in, you know, companies like Microsoft, Amazon, Starbucks headquarters, and just pretty much into computers, didn't really care anything about the human body. Met a guy, a soldier, picked him out of a book at a dating service in Seattle, and ended up getting married. And when he got out of the Army, he took a job down here in South Texas in a town called McAllen, which is a bicultural, medically underserved community. My husband is Dominican. He immigrated here in 74. And he wanted to give back to this country for all the opportunities he was provided. So he served in the military, and now he is helping people who have a tough time accessing medical care down here on the border And I'm a stay-at-home mom now, and I've been with this guy for 19 years, married 19 years, together, almost 21, I guess. And so my life changed from computers Mm -hmm. to urology, kind of without my permission. (laughs) (laughs) And it happened because evidently being married to the dick doctor, um, when he told me he was a urologist, I thought that was the brain. Uh, turns out that was the wrong end. That's not <laughs> it at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I should have stuck with computers when I finally figured it out. Um, I, I was, I was kind of like struck like, Oh, okay. You fix penis and vaginas. Wow. That's like so embarrassing. <laughs> and I would say for the first 10 years, um, I didn't want to talk about it. The subject was mortifying. But moving to a small town, he was the only guy within a five, 600-mile radius who could do what he does. He's a reconstructive urologist. So he's like the cleanup crew when it comes to anything to do with your human plumbing. He will rebuild everything down there so it works again. Mm. And... Um, word got around town that we had a new doctor in town and we had children of our own. And that put me into the group of stay at home moms and dads. And something that happens after children is that uh, a couple's plumbing starts to go a little haywire. Um, Women from childbirth and men, because they tend to get a little heavy when the wife gets pregnant They can pick up things like diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, and those things lead into the start of 
low testosterone, erectile dysfunction, and then you add on some more years and you move into the world of prostate problems for men. And women after childbirth almost always have issues with incontinence because their pelvic floor was stretched beyond imagination, which none of us like to talk about. And then, of course, they can run into lack of desire, thinking they can't handle it all between the husband and the kids and the bills and work. And really, it ends up being a hormone problem. So they end up with lack of desire issues. And then as they age, they can run into issues like pelvic prolapse, where um, organs go a little too far south and can fall out. So they interfere with your ability to have your plumbing work properly. And all this I learned being married to the dick doctor. <laughs> yeah, you, you nailed on, a, on quite a few. I have experience with uh, the incontinence, not for me, but having uh, my ex and her, you know what I mean? Just uh, like stuff that happens i mean it's just it's just it is there's no getting around it that's just part of being a person and having children uh it sucks i i would i would uh that would definitely suck for me um i think that i'm starting to experience something that what you're talking about not the ed but the uh uh like the when when it starts to get harder to urinate Oh, prostate issues. Yeah, so it, I, that can be like a prostatitis. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I mean, not 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 bad, but it like I could. I'm starting to feel like it's like oh, it's a little different. It's a mm-hmm. it's a little different down there. It's like the pressure, you know what I mean? Is not is not what it what it used to be. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if I need to get that checked out. <laughs> you do, and I will tell you. Um, I've learned so much being married to the dick doctor and it's a subject I don't want to know anything about. I swear to God, I don't. And (laughs) it just slays me that I wrote a book about it and I did it because I am everybody else. I did not know. I didn't know about urology, anything. And as I've been married to the dick doctor all these years, I've learned through other people who have secretly approached me anywhere you can think of, the airport, the grocery store, the school, the golf course, pick anywhere. And they'll come up and they'll say, oh, oh, Mrs. Drees, you're, you're married to the dick doctor, right? And when they first <laughs> do, said do, that. Do they say me, the dick doctor? Oh, that's where I got the name. People gave me the name. I'm like, he's a urologist. Right. He fixes, <laughs> he fixes penises, right? Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, honey, are you a dick doctor? And he's like, I'm a urologist. And I'm like, but I fix penises. And I'm like, oh, so you are a dick doctor. Like, I I had to learn all this as I was married to the guy. And the stories I heard, you cannot believe. People would come up to me and talk about their broken penis or vagina as though I'm the doctor. And I would literally secretly start to sweat And I was so uncomfortable and I realized, oh my God, these people are sharing something my husband's supposed to be listening to. I don't even know what to do. So I would just try to act really nice and calm and reassuring and be like, oh, you know, I I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> let me get my phone and let's call the dick doctor and ask. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, I've called my husband hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times with penis and vagina questions. Half the time I hand the phone over to the person and then quietly walk away and they end up with an appointment. But I've kind of had to learn by eavesdropping and listening to people's problems. And just like you got all uncomfortable talking about your prostate, um, you are me and I am you. I don't like it either. And I wrote a book about it. Yeah. Well, well, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, uh, a little bit different than most because I talk about a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of, a a lot of things that most people wouldn't talk about. I, I talk about, um, but I mean, that's what you need to do. I mean, how is anybody ever going to truly understand where you're coming from if they don't ever know? Right. Yeah. That is so true. You know, and most people like to hide where they're coming from because they're afraid people are going to judge them from where they, for where they've been. And so there's a, there's a whole lack of, of transparency that happens between people. And in order for you to have a, a relationship with somebody, it doesn't matter. I mean, a relationship, you and I are, are having a relationship right now. We're relating to each other. We're, it doesn't mean we're intimate. That's intimacy. That's something completely different. But everybody that you know and, or that you come across or that you deal with is a relationship. And it is. And I lost where I was going with that, but you know, we are well, relating. I'll jump, I'll jump right in there because <laughs> you know what happens when people come up to me. Um, there's a story in my book about Peroni's disease. I don't know if you know what that is, Mm-mm. but it's when a man gets an erection and it bends up and then up and almost backwards like a fish hook, and it's very painful and it gets worse and worse and worse with time. And I had a lady approach me in the high school parking lot who was looking around before she came up to me (laughs) and then came up to me and she started telling me about her husband's penis when he's getting an erection. And she was really distraught. And she goes, you know, is this something that your husband can help my husband with? I said, well, I said, "I, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of this, but let me ask you a question if I may. Um, how do you get it in? And she goes, I don't. That's the problem. That's why I need your husband's help. So she didn't have her husband's permission to have this conversation with me. Mm. And she had the conversation. Of course, we got him into the doctor and he got it treated. And there are several ways to treat that. Um, it is a lifelong condition. And eventually you end up with an implant um, in, in most cases. And that is the level of, that's intimacy, although we have a relationship now, because every time I see her and her husband around town, my head goes right to their penis and vagina situation, because I'm not (laughs) a doctor. And I I wish I could lose that, you know, thought, but I I keep thinking, you know, I've never seen a hooked penis. I'm not a doctor. I, I really kind of wonder what that looked like. Like from my perspective, of course, then I have to grill the dick doctor with a hundred questions. I'm like, well, how hooked is that penis? And, and, (laughs) you know, what is that erection like? And and how do you straighten out that hooked penis? And is that permanent? Does it last forever? And, you know, I have a million questions like everybody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just, I think so. 
having a having a, a trans uh, uh, sibling, right? Immediately, what we think about when somebody's trans or has had a sex change or has had a, there's a there's a there's a, a clinical term for it. I can't uh, gender re- reassignment a surgery, right? What do people? Yes. What, do, what do people immediately think about? They don't think about. Well, I, th- I, you know what? I hope, I hope that they are are living their best life and their best self and they're authentic and everything else and they're being the people who they want to be. No, no, we don't think about that. We think about, well, how does that work? How do you have sex? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Is it real? Does it? Da, 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 and everything goes to the to the to to that immediately. <laughs> Well, and it's education, isn't it? Because initially I was the same way. I had a million, as people started dumping all their urological problems on me from all over town, multiplied by 20 years, I had a million questions too. And my questions and um, discomfort and curiosity started to turn into compassion and empathy and a true desire to try and help these people, but also with the knowledge of, hey, this can be fixed, just so you know. And you don't have to you don't have to worry. Calm down. It's okay because I've heard this one before and you just need to call my husband's office and <laughs> you're gonna be okay. And so it, it initially I was like, oh my God. <laughs> well, now that I've learned, because it's all in my book. Um, I know now that these problems can be solved. And once the curiosity and the questions are out of the way, you start to see the people and the person, just like your transgender sibling. Once people understand how the plumbing works and they spend more time around them and start to learn a, you know, a level of comfort of being around the conversation or the, you know, the um, gender transformation, then it's old news and you understand it. And now you don't have any more questions. So now you can move on to the next level of the relationship, right? And have different conversations. Yeah, that's a good point. I I never thought about it that way. Um, Yeah, that's what's happened to me over 20 years. At first I was like, oh my God, vaginas leak? What happens (laughs) when you have an orgasm? He's like, well, they pee all over the bed. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding? And he's like, yes. He says, that's the fastest thing that brings a young woman into my office. And I'm like, yeah. So who knew all this? So after I got past all that and then all the mommies started to leak having orgasm and that, you know, the request came rolling in. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is normal. But don't worry. Here, call my husband's office. There's urologists over there. They can fix it. You guys will be back in business and date night will be fun again. So I have some questions. (laughs) Oh, I bet you do. <laughs> I, I have some questions. Um, so, what? So you you know, I mean, having written a book about about that and having your husband as a doctor, I'm sure you know a lot about different uh, different things that have to do with with the plumbing down there, right? So, I remember. So, just something that you said. It uh, all right answer the question just just ask the question you know what i mean i'm this like it's, yeah, it's uncomfortable man are you talking I, about this shit um, that's why i wrote the book i'm telling you i feel you god do i feel you i'm sweating already and i wrote the book <laughs> so there is a uh there's a whole genre of porn out there 
um, that you just kind of described, right? Um, so when, you know, a woman has an orgasm, you know, she loses her, her bodily functions and, you know, uh, pees all over the bed. Well, there's a genre of porn out there that's called squirting. Is that different or is it the same thing? I can't answer that question. Um, you know, I guess if I wanted to pee on my husband, I, so here's the thing as a woman, I'll tell you this right now. When a woman has an orgasm, her pee thing shuts down. Uh-huh. So like the biggest frustration after I have an orgasm with the dick doctor, I'll go to the bathroom and I will sit there and I cannot pee. Uh-huh. And I ask the husband, God, damn it, I cannot pee. What did you do to me? And he explained to me, oh, that's a that's a normal reaction. I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you the terms, but that's a normal reaction that the urine muscles will, you know, basically lock up on you so that you don't leak during orgasm. So um, I really can't pee after an orgasm. I have to wait and let that muscle relax, whatever it is. He knows. I don't know. I wish you were here right now because he would be chiming in, telling you exactly what that is. Um, so the pee thing, I'm uh, any woman that's peeing right after sex, she she really can solve that if she wants to. Um, it's not normal. It, it it's hard to pee after an orgasm because those muscles are like whooped. <laughs> well, it's, I don't know another way to put it. Well, and for a guy, we have the same thing. It's hard for a guy to have have an erection or to urinate have, have with an erection, right? And when you how, and that's and and that's a mechanism that's actually keeps you from pissing in the bed when you wake up in the middle of the night and you got a, a you know you're you're you got a heart on that's poking you in the belly button and you're like oh god damn I got to take a piss and then you go and try to pee and you're like you're pushing it down like trying to go like that <laughs> you, you know what I mean it's it's so it's so annoying <laughs> but yes, I'm glad I didn't piss my, in the bed. <laughs> yes. No, I've watched my husband battle that battle too. And it does go from erections to prostate issues. Just so you know, now when he pees, he sounds like he's skipping rocks across the pond, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think the erection problem is better, right? Yeah, so, yeah. but it's progressive. And that's why I wrote the book because it, you know, Nobody really knows how their plumbing works or why it does what it does. So when women are peeing on themselves, no, that's not normal. And the pee um, porno that you're talking about, my guess is that those are women who can't control their bladder. And, and some people may be turned on by it. And, and they may like that um, as part of their sex world and don't want to get their pee stream fixed, right? Because that might be their little game in bed. And to each their own. There's no judgment. You get to, you get to have whatever you want because that's what makes the world go round. Yeah, as long as you're not hurting yourself or anybody else in the process. I mean, you know, I, I as somebody who's been on the receiving end of that, I mean, it, it's pretty empowering as a man to think that you were the one that created that uh, in mm-hmm. somebody else. And it's like, oh yeah, I did that. You know, what I mean? that's why I was going. That's why. That's why I was going. I was thinking to myself, I was like, "Oh shit, was I being lied to?" <laughs> no, she really had an orgasm. She didn't fake it. You're good. You're all good. Uh, it's funny. This is this is this is going to be funny to release this episode. <laughs> yeah, it, let me tell you this. This book. This is the stuff that people don't want to talk about, but they do. 
they're afraid to talk about it, but it's real. And guess what? All of us are sporting one of them. Mm-hmm. You either have a penis or a vagina and they do some crazy things. And if you like it, great. If you don't, go see the dick doctor or yeah. take my book with you and, and take it in to start the conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I, I – rabbit holes that I went down on the internet on YouTube is uh, – I looked up gender reassignment surgery just because I was curious, like, how the hell do they do that? And so, and I went, I watched it and it is very uncomfortable to watch them. If you're, if you're a guy and you're watching the, 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 them take a, a, a penis and turn it inside out and all the things that they have to do, I, I had to stop watching it because my stomach was getting queasy and I'm like going, Oh my God, it was just like, I don't know, man. It was, it was, I couldn't, I couldn't watch the rest of it. And my, and, and my curiosity for that immediately dispersed. I'm like, I don't ever want mm-hmm. to see that again. Um, yeah. just because it's really uncomfortable to, to, to watch something when you, when you're the owner of one of those yourself. Um, and, uh, so yeah, another thing too, uh, I don't know if you can answer this question or not, not be for, you know, being just if you know the information, but so everybody, like every guy is always, you know, I don't know about every guy, but like when you see those commercials about, Oh, you know, extends and all these, these pills that are supposed to make your, make you bigger and all this other stuff. I mean, there's really no way you, you got what you got and that's what you get. Right. There's no, there's no way to make yourself bigger unless you're going to like swell yourself up. I mean, you, that's possible. Um, you are a hundred percent correct. Um, my husband, I ask him the same thing. All these commercials come on low T and, you know, have a bigger, stronger, longer erection. And his patients bring in everything off the TV, everything. <laughs> yeah. They bring in juices and berries and pills and creams and toys and vacuums. They bring it all into him and they say, Hey doc, you know, is, is, does this stuff work? And his answer to them is, well, how do you think it's working for you? Well, I like this pill. This cream doesn't do shit. And my husband will say, then whatever you think is working for you, keep taking it because it's working. Yeah. And the bottom line is, it's all up here. So it's whatever, none of that stuff really works. The only thing that works is testosterone. So there's a whole chapter on low testosterone. You got to get your testosterone checked. You men need to be between, you know, 350 and like 900 is a great number. Okay. If you're not in in that range, I think that's the range. I wish the hubby were here. He'd correct me. He's technically correct and I'm not. Um, But my book is technically correct because he checked it. And he says that if you're in that range, you're going to feel good. You're going to perform good. You're going to think clearly. You're not going to be so tired at three o'clock in the afternoon. And so it's very important for all men to get their testosterone checked because you will find that your testosterone is probably below those levels, especially as you're nearing the age of 35 to 40. And it's time to get on some kind of testosterone cream. That is the only proven method to help you keep your erections, to help you keep your health, to help you keep, you know, your brain clear, the desire, you know, you want to get laid. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That, you know, when you're like, yeah, you know, I can take it or leave it on a Friday night. I'd rather have beer. <laughs> Go get your testosterone checked. <laughs> I think I need to get my testosterone checked. Um, <laughs> And and the and the number is three hundred to one thousand uh, DL. Somewhere in there, I've got to get to my low T chapter in here to tell you because I did put it in my book because he gave it to me and I was like, you know, what is that? What is that number exactly, honey? And then of course I'm like, honey, what what's your level of testosterone? Because I think yours is. <laughs> <laughs> I think yours is too high, so. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find the, oh yeah, that this chapter on low testosterone is called, is it cold outside or are they actually shrinking? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, it, I like how you, 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 you put like a, you, you make it fun. Oh my God. This book is so funny. I mean, just to give you a few chapter titles, like the low T chapter is like, is it cold outside? Or are they actually shrinking or, um, where the hell is my awesome wood? <laughs> right? Penis pressure in society. Um, my God, for the ladies, it's like lack of desire. Where the hell is my wine? Right? Like, oh God, I have to get laid again. And then um, things like skin cream companies moisturize this. Right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Who doesn't want a wet woman? Right? Yeah, so, right. you know, it matters. So these things are in my book because we lose... Um, you know, our youth down there. And so there are methods from your urologist. Don't be going to a family practice guy. You want to go to a urologist because they're the ones that when they get those, that blood work back, they actually are current on the studies and what the proper ranges and levels are for prostate exams, PSAs, low testosterone. You don't go to a family practice guy for that because they're not trained to see a trend right? In the rise or fall of a PSA number, they just look at it. A urologist sees those numbers 80 times a day. They're trained. They are studied. They get the journals saying, oh, okay, research is now showing us that a steady rise is an indicator of PSA, but a rise and a fall could be an indicator of prostatitis. Take an antibiotic. So that's why you go to a urologist and not a family practice guy for your man stuff. Your family practice guy can check, can give you testosterone, but he doesn't know what he's doing with it. It's like putting the, you know, an eight-year-old behind behind the wheel of a Corvette. Don't do it. Can he pull it into the driveway? Probably, but he's probably going to take out the trash cans. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, there was a there was another another question that I had. It was, uh, I think it was. In the line of uh, how did they how did they fix that? So when when they had that curve like that, when they got that hook penis, um, what did they? So I know that there's I know that there's a there's a tendon that's attached to the base that you can cut, and and it it will no longer like go up towards your up towards your chest. It'll just now like free free wag, <laughs> I guess you would yes. call it. Yes, they actually have a, um, a that's how, that chapter is called penile traction. It works. And it is a real device that they can, they can use initially. And I think I put a picture of it in my book. I was just going to look at it. And um, 
they have a device. It's like traction. So you put the device on and it straightens out the penis over time and they can do injections. But in the end, most of the time you end up with a penile prosthesis and that really kind of manages that curvature of the penis. So a prosthesis, so is it like a, I, I know that they have a couple of different ones, like they're ones that you can actually pump up and it just goes. And yes. And does it have, does it have, does it have uh, ejaculation function too? I mean, can you still, can, can so, you, can you wank off? Yes. <laughs> can, 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 can you produce a mess? <laughs> oh yeah. So get this. So I learned that you don't have to have an erection to ejaculate. No, you don't. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. What do women know? We don't sport one, so we don't know. <laughs> well, it's, so it's, it's, it's the same. Th- the, the 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 function's the same. It's just it's just in different places and, and packaged differently. So we have right. the same nerve it, and the nerve endings that, that perform the same way. It's just a matter of you know the the same way that a man can use a vibrator to get off. You know what I mean? Same as a woman. I didn't know that, but that's great to know. Yeah, well, because <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if it, it, because it, it, the underside of a man's penis is where all the sensitive part is that causes an ejaculation. In a woman, it's the it's the clitoris, so it's uh, so it's just it, it's the same thing. It's just in different places, right? But, for each individual, because for a woman, it can be way deep inside, mm-hmm. or for a man, the tip of his penis. I guess it's just a personal preference. Yeah, yeah. But I was going to show you a picture of the penile implant. I don't know if it'll pick up on my camera. It probably won't. No, it, it probably won't. won't. But you, you can. I think I sent you the link to the book. You can put that picture on your um, description if you want, because it is a great picture to show you how the devices work. And basically, I was uh, supported by Boston Scientific. I chose to put their product in my book because my husband uses a lot of Boston Scientific implants. And so I was most comfortable with that company and they were very supportive of my book. And evidently, the chapter on penile prosthesis is hilarious, by the way, because, well, you know, I found one in the trunk of my husband's car and it was so big and I'm like, (laughs) what the hell is this? I know, this is so funny. I opened the trunk of his car because I'm carrying his coffee out out to the car with him as he's getting ready to go to work. And he opens the goddamn trunk of the car. Of course, it's a hot rod. And there is a case of Viagra, a case of Cialis, and then this big, long box thing. <laughs> and it said AMS, you know, 700XL. You know, it's like, I'm like, what the hell is that? And I pick it up and I'm like, and he gingerly takes it out of my hand. And he goes, careful with that. That is a penile prosthesis worth about $10,000. I go, that is huge. How do you get that inside of a man's penis? Okay, so rule number one, being married to a urologist, never ask a penis question because (laughs) they always pull out the finger to demonstrate. So I'm like, please, for the love of God, put your finger down. (laughs) I know what a penis looks like. You don't need to put the pe- the finger out to talk. <laughs> put the finger down. It goes like that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he explains to me that it's a, a long wire, and a, and, you know, and a and this reservoir of water. And basically, what he does, he puts this like balloon kind of cylinder thing in the shaft, 
And then it has tubing that goes up to like a bladder full of water. And then it goes down to like a pump inside the testicle. And so when you squeeze the testicle two times, one, two, it activates the bladder and the bladder squeezes and pushes the water out into the shaft. And swing, you have a penis. (laughs) And then to, to deactivate it, you depress the button for seven to 10 seconds, like letting the air out of your tire when you bend the the air thing on your tire to let the air out, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, and the water goes back up to the bladder um, reservoir. Wow. Be, and sometimes, so and some, I ask him, I go, so do they ever get stuck in the erect position? He's like, he's like, yeah, they do sometimes. And I'm like, so... First of all, how does the patient get into your office with an erection? I just want to know. <laughs> That's the first thing. And he's like, God, you are a sick woman. Why all these questions? I'm like, how do you get your pants on with an erection? I mean, what do you do? Do you wear a bathrobe in to see you? I mean, what do they do? They hold a jacket in front of them. How do they get into your office? Right? Yeah. And so... And sometimes they just walk in with their thing erect. And then he has to actually go in and manually deflate it, if you will. Man, 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 man. Manually, <laughs> he's yeah. Got, he's got to man, manhandle your man, your, your new he's man got part. A man, he's got to manhandle your man part. But it has a warranty. I put that in my book. So these penises, these um, implants have like a two-year warranty. So I put in my book, if you are the recipient of one of these fabulous devices, if I were you, I would use it as much as you could the first two years and get your money's worth to see if you need the warranty on it. Ah, there you go. You can even do that with those, huh? Right. That's crazy. Um, I know. I I never would have. I never would have. Uh, oh, there was something that I wanted to ask you or, or wanted to say, and I, I fuck, I lost it. Oh, well. <laughs> pencil on a paper you gotta write down these good questions i I have it i just don't think about it (laughs) it's it's sitting right over there i'm i'm so enthralled with the uh with the 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 information it's Um, amazing isn't it i'm telling you when i wrote this book by the way i wrote the book in 90 days it just came flying out of my fingertips and it is so funny because i am not a doctor So I get to laugh, okay? And I get to ask the stupid questions because I I am the patient. I don't know any of this. I I ask so many questions and I still don't even know, you know, a millionth of what my husband knows about everything penis and vagina. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I have, that's what it was. So you remember John Wayne Bobbitt? We talk about him all the time, yes. I yeah. happen to have installed the cable at his house or his his uh, apartment when I was living in Vegas, and I saw it said John Bobbitt, and I was like, when I saw the work order, and I had I had a trainee with me, and I'm like, hey man, do you think that this is a that you think that's his John Bobbitt, right? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, why? What are you gonna do? I said, I don't know, man. I want I I want to ask him. I want to see it. I want to see. The, I want to see it. And uh, I didn't. I didn't have the. I didn't have the balls to ask him. But um, I did do his uh, his thing, and I asked him about his uh, his uh, his new career and how that was going in the porn industry. Um, and uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was funny, man. I I just to this day, I was talking to somebody about that. I was like, how? Like, 
I mean, I get it how she could have got it in her hand and, and just whap, sliced it off really fast. I mean, with a, with a knife. I mean, that, that, that's quick. Uh, but I mean, just to like, how would you chuck a, chuck a, a, a penis out the window <laughs> and how did he find it? Like, how did okay. you find it? So they got all the firemen and all the policemen to walk side by side through that field until they found it. And what I love about that story is that every man rallied and scanned that damn field and found that bastard's penis. And then a reconstructive urologist like my husband, that's what he does, Uh you know, the the cleanup crew, Yeah, put it back on. and, And my husband said, you know, it's... It's not a difficult surgery. Um, it, it's, you know, fairly easy to fix and it'll work again. Um, but you have to be a reconstructive urologist to know how to do that. But I asked my husband about that. I said, you know, I, I can't imagine a woman chopping off a man's penis. He goes, well, you know, it's pretty rare that a woman does it. I said, no, I heard penises get chopped off all the time. He goes, they do. But you know who chops off the most penises? Who do you think does it? Uh, the man, the men, owner, gay men. They're the owner of it. No, no, no. no. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Gay men chop off each other's penises the most because they get so mad. And I was thinking, I'm like, is that a testosterone thing? Like the gay man gets mad at his gay man lover, and then he, you know, he has an outburst of anger and he, and he wants to lash out because men hit, right? Men yeah, are yeah, aggressive. Yeah. So I'm like, does it have anything to do with testosterone? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, probably. Because yeah, I'm yeah. like, you know, women don't chop. That's not our nature. We scream. Um, <laughs> we throw things. But to get a knife and chop, it's like, that's like going out and chopping wood. Nobody wants to go do that. But men yeah, like yeah. to chop wood. You know, I'm being general, of course. These are generalizations. But in average, it's the gay men that are most aggressive with those kinds of physical acts of violence. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, angry lovers. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that that is, that mm-hmm. is actually. I I would have, I you know, I was thinking about it more in the in the other way because I I have experience with it. You know, in in having uh, well, not experience with it, but I mean, having um, a trans. Uh, uh, sibling you know you you it's stuff that that's talked about you know what i mean it's like you you like i would read more because it's like all right well i it, it affects me right so i'm i'm reading about it so i'm trying to understand where you know what's going on and 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 why this is what it is and uh you know a lot of times that they are ashamed of what they have down there. You know what I mean? They're ashamed of their penis because they, they feel like they should have a vagina. And so like, I, I thought it was going to be, you were going to say that, that the own, you know, the, the owner of it would, would do that. Um, you know, out of, you know, because they, they hate the fact that they, uh, that they, that they have that part to begin with. Yeah, that could probably be a whole nother subject, right? Because that's not a relationship subject. That's a self subject. Yeah, yeah. And and the things with um, transgenders, they have a, in the end, they have a very high suicide rate. And a a lot of times um, transgenders face the challenges of mental illness, just like the rest of us, right? We all suffer from depression, 
OCD, mm-hmm. bipolar, pick one, pick anything, pick your, pick your poison. We all have it. Mm-hmm. And so with transgenders, you know, their sexuality um, is sometimes an issue. Sometimes it's a mental issue. Sometimes it's a physical issue, like, you know, um, different hormones or chemicals in the brain where they really do feel more like another sex. Um, that's why they all have to go through a minimum of three years of um, psychiatric counseling prior to their surgery so that they make sure that that is the, the choice that they want to have and that there's not an underlying mental health condition. Hmm. And so that's one of the steps for a transgender operation. Cause I asked my husband, cause Caitlyn Jenner, she had her operation in a year. Mm-hmm. My husband was furious because that's substandard of care. That's impossible. They have to go through a minimum of three years of psychiatric um, counseling as part of preparation for the surgery. And I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. I said, but it's California. Maybe their laws are different. Um, mm-hmm. She's got the, special privileges because well, of who there's she no was. Such thing. There's no such thing in the world of medicine because there's such a high suicide rate among transgenders that you just can't miss that step because hmm. um, the price is too high. The price is too high. Well, I always felt like because I watched that that show, um, you know, when she was I, I am Caitlin or something or I, what I'm Kate. What, I never saw it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah whatever it was, I, I had I had watched it because my ex was a, a, a Kardashian fan, so she was watching and I was watching it with her, and uh, mm. it didn't to me. It it's really it, it was really difficult to to. Like I don't know I didn't I didn't I didn't really buy it from her you know what I mean it it seemed more like it was about publicity than it was about actually wanting to do better for the for the the movement and the 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 people like my my sister she is knee deep in in you know the 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 work you know mm-hmm. dealing with the people that are are uh, you know in the, in the mental health aspect of it and. Uh, you know the AIDS uh, aspect of it, and mm-hmm. and and all of that, and it was like, you know, she's the li- liaison to in Oakland to the uh, to the police department for the trans community. Like, remember when uh, the ghost ship fires happened and all those yeah. people died in Oakland from that warehouse yes. fire? Oh God, that's awful. Yeah, there was three trans, uh, three or four trans individuals that were uh, a part of that, and she got called in to. Uh, to assist uh, with the family members and kind of be, you know, a go between for that. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy, man. Mental. I, what I would like to know is like, is this something that's new or has this been like this forever? You know what I mean? Is it something because of like the food and shit that we're eating now that has all these GMOs and chemicals and everything else in it that's changing our, you know, there's more autistic uh, children out there now. There's more uh, uh, kids that are allergic to foods, food allergies that, that used to not be as present as they were. So is all this like kind of correlated between, you know, the industrialization of our food and, and, and our food sources? Uh, well, as a mother, I'm, I say yes, um, that our kids' brains are being starved. And I think you throw in underlying conditions like mental illness because some of them are genetic. 
with, you know, starving out the brain. And then you throw in society um, nonsense, like, you know, today I identify as an attack helicopter because I don't want to be a he or she, right? So, and the messaging, you know, um, and they're getting messaged at such a young age because of iPhones when I think we're not allowing them to become an adult and then find out for themselves. Society like the Caitlin show is trying to tell you, hey, be transgender, be who you are, be what you want. Well, the kid's 12, you know, they don't know what they're supposed to be. They just copy what they see. Right. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I think it's a whole combination of a whole bunch of things. And, you know, divorce rates are high. So kids don't have um, parents that are sitting around the dinner table talking for the mm. most part. Yeah. And so I think all that, you know, the fabric of family is really disappearing and then nutrition Everybody's going to fast food and, um, and we don't talk about mental health the way we should. I think mental health should be talked about the way we talk about recipes. What, what are we cooking for dinner? Because, you know, people with mental illness are no different from a batch of chocolate chip cookies. What happens when you make chocolate chip cookies and you add too much butter? It tastes like shit. They run all over the pan. So how do you fix a batch of chocolate chip cookies when you add too much butter? What do you add to fix it? Flour. Right. (laughs) Well, what is different about humans? Why can't we talk about mental illness? Because we're doing the same thing. Here, have a Lexapro. Well, that's flour. So why are we condemning the fact that you're taking an antidepressant? or ADD medication, or OCD medication? Why is there such shame when it is really no different from a chocolate chip cookie recipe? Yeah, that's really. that's true. That's true. Um, to kind of tie on to what you said, I'm, I'm a firm believer in uh, a holistic uh, approach mm-hmm. to, to medicine uh, and plant-based medicine because all medicines are plant-based, right? The only difference is, is that they've done, they've put their, their spin on it so they can, uh, so they can, what is that? What they do? They, uh, make it so Synthetic. they can, no, they make it so only they can, they can sell it. It's, they, oh yeah, it's patented. Yeah. They patent that, that prescription or that pill. But I mean, it's all, that's the only way because the laws say that you cannot, uh, patent anything that's naturally made that comes out of the ground. You can't put a patent on marijuana. You can't put a patent on uh, on psilocybin, mushrooms, all these things that are natural that you can't put a patent on. But when you change them and change their molecular structure and do something else to it, then now you can. Uh, it's now designer and different. So I am a big proponent of not like I use I microdose. Uh, THC and sometimes uh, psilocybin in in a in an amount that doesn't produce a high, but gives you the gives you the uh, the effects still the 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 benefits of it like the well being and like kind of when I and I notice the difference too like when I don't and a situation arises my anxiety levels are a lot higher mm-hmm. right and then when I'm when I'm when I've microdosed in the morning in my day and I have a challenge in the day, the anxiety is never there. It's more of a calm approach to like, 
okay, let's see. All right, step back. How are we going to deal with this? Instead of like, oh my God, what the fuck? What's going on? How am I going to figure this out? And the dog and everything else. And it's all crashing. Jesus Christ, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I get like inside. I mean, not it's not like it's an expression outside, but that's what it feels like inside. And I imagine that the, the, the Lexapros and the Prozacs and all that kind of have the same sort of uh, uh, effect, right? Is that what? what that's like well i think so you know there's a study at john hopkins university they're working with psilocybin and microdosing and it is literally curing depression mm-hmm. it's phenomenal and anxiety mm-hmm. and um a couple of other states are trying to get licenses to try and grow the mushrooms that to get the psilocybin so um, all your listeners are out there listening keep writing your congressman and vote for these studies because you're right that plant-based medicine, a holistic approach, um, is takes away power from the pharmaceutical companies, first of all, um, or at least make them work together. And we need to help people. Stop hoarding all the money and trying to race to the bank, okay? Let's start focusing on the human race. Let's try to help these kids who are suffering from depression, OCD, ADD, anxiety, because the suicide rates are so high right now for these kids. What are we doing about this as a society? We've got to feed them better, get them off those damn damn phones. We've got to work to keep families together. One of the reasons I wrote this book is because, you know, urological problems cause divorces. Because men, if they can't get an erection, some women will walk out. That's like, what, why would you do that when you guys can go to a urologist and get this solved? Yeah, you know, yeah. did you know? And they don't know. They just don't know. So starting by keeping a family together and getting a family communicating and then being honest like you do on your show every day, talking about the taboo subjects, right? This this book is so taboo, right? So is anxiety, depression, and and you know, autism and Asperger's. What is going on that all of this is come about and transgenders? What is going on that we have strayed so far away from just pure joy as a human in any form? We're so distracted with illnesses or, um, you know, I, I want to be a transgender because somebody said I should be. Well, okay, let's let's analyze that. Maybe you should be. Let's let's use what we know to find out if this is your truth. Right. And if it's your truth as a society, we're going to support you because we're America, man. We, we embrace everything. And so it's just a matter of us educating ourselves so that we can help people be their best, whatever that is. Right. Yeah, whatever yeah. that is for you. No judgment. So psilocybin, microdosing, transgenders, you know, plant based medicine. These are all great conversations to have. Yeah, I, I I I can agree with that one um, because I'm from the uh, addiction uh, community, right? Addicted mm-hmm. to methamphetamine for years. Um, I, I didn't even realize that it that it was that I was ADHD until afterwards, and then I I connected the two together. I'm like, oh shit, that's why I didn't have a whole bunch of piles of stuff going around, not finished, and I was actually able to do something because it righted something in my, I was self-medicating and I'd found the, the cure for me, 
unfortunately with meth, it's like, okay, well, yeah, you found a cure, but you also found a whole lot of other problems inside that cure. <laughs> well, remember this morning I told you I would, I would put a $100 bill on the table that you have a very high IQ. Usually anyone who suffers from depression, ADD, ADHD, um, anxiety, those people often have very high IQs. And a lot of times, like our young males in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, they fall behind in reading because they're, they are ADD or dyslexic. And so they get embarrassed because they can't read at the levels they're supposed to. And then they start drifting off into other problems to distract from the fact that they're, they can't keep up with the academics. Not because they're stupid, because they were so smart, they got bored or they couldn't focus that they they didn't have the, the skill at that age or stage to sit down and learn the material because they were challenged because their brain was pinging around like a pinball machine because they could keep up with 50 things going on at once. Mm -hmm. That's a high IQ, right? Mm -hmm. Or your very left brain, very creative. So while the teacher's going one plus one is two, you're off trying to figure out how you can rebuild that engine in your head or make your little mini bike or take the little Sally's bicycle next door and steal the chain and the two tires <laughs> and go get my dad's WD-40 and the screwdrivers and build myself a go-kart, Yeah, right? Yeah. That's, where, that's where little boys are and sometimes little girls. I was that one. And um, that's just high IQ. That's just your brain innovating. And innovation comes in those crazy moments of thoughts and ideas and imagination and not when you're you can't do one plus one when you're innovating in your head right yeah it's yeah really, and we need to embrace that more in our kids school they're not every kid can, can or should sit down and do one plus one is two they should be doing something else depending where their brain development is yeah i think i think there there's something to that i i really believe that uh, we should change our models and how we teach in school and start to figure out what people's strong points are. And, you know, Hey, if you're somebody who's really good at taking direction and, you know, being that, that student, that, uh, you know, bell, bell mover, you know, the bell, the bell rings, you're moving right along and you know, that that's, that's your direction, but you have all these other ones that, you know, like for me, I just lost interest. I was like, it wasn't interesting to me and everything else outside of the classroom. Like I would always be the one that was like staring out, you know, not paying attention or like trying to make everybody laugh or, you know, just, just, uh, anything but doing what I was supposed to be doing. And, uh, I think that had I had some sort of thing that I could, that you could do to kind of like gauge where a student, where one of those students, uh, strong points are. And, and then cater to that. Yes, you're you're so dead on because, you know, you're either a left brain or a right brain and some kids are both. And you just have to be allowed to plug in to your strengths and then, you know, say, OK, little Johnny, it's time to sit down and focus on those weaknesses. But before you do, I want you to run around the building 10 times and wear yourself out so you can sit and think. Right? Because I need mm. you to concentrate. So go do a thousand jumping jacks and get it out of you. Remember when our parents used to do that? Yeah. Then come in and sit down and be quiet. And you were happy to sit down when you were done doing a thousand jumping jacks or a hundred push ups. <laughs> then you were ready to listen. And kids aren't doing that today. They're not exercising. My kids at their school weren't even allowed to run around out on the playground at lunch, mm. they had to sit in the courtyard because of liability. 
That sucks. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't even do that now, and I know. Like, I just got off a, a, the the last interview I did. We were talking exactly about that. You know, she said that. Uh, you know, she how she you know maintains uh, her sanity and is uh, by exercising every day, and it allows her brain to slow down so she can. Because she was ADHD too. I hear Joe Rogan talk about this all the time. I hear uh, who else was he talking with? Uh, just it's just everything. There's a there's an element to um, strain and stress on your body that allows the the noise to quiet. I will tell you, there's a chapter in my book. It's, um, you know how millennials are Generation Y. So it says millennials, Generation Y, am I peeing all the time? These kids are peeing every 20, 30 minutes because of stress and caffeine. So they're on their phones, not exercising, shooting Red Bulls, right? Mm -hmm. Peeing every 20, 30 minutes. And so you have to change your lifestyle. And and also remember, exercise, you want to keep your erections strong. you got to at least get some exercise, keep that weight down, blood pressure down, don't get diabetic, and you have better performance in the bedroom. And for women, don't go out and go running because your pelvic floor isn't that strong. Go walking. Any kind of impact is hard on a woman's bladder. It'll just fall right out of the vagina eventually, depending on your you know, skin tone. So, so impact, it's true. So you're, you know, high impact is not those women that you see running all the time. The really thin ones, yeah. they, you know, they're really susceptible to having their uterus fall out of their vagina. And, you know, these are real problems that women face. It sounds crazy, but you know, I didn't even know your uterus and bladder could fall out of your vagina. Yeah, I, I'm I'm picturing that now. I'm jogging down the down a, a jogway, and I pull. I've stopped because a woman's bent over, holding some shit, and like, "Excuse me, ma'am, can I help you? What happened? Oh, my vagina just fell right out of my or my my <laughs> my insulin, whatever that's called, fell right out." Your, your uterus, and think about what it does for your you know your little your ureter where the pee comes out. Your little straw's bent. How are you supposed to pee when your straw's bent? Right? Yeah, so I, yeah. And I guess you can hold your uterus in with a couple of fingers because that's evidently what women do. They poke it back up inside. There's a hilarious chapter on pelvic prolapse about my husband's um, medical assistant when she couldn't put in a catheter because the the uterus fell out, but she'd never seen it before. She goes out and tells my husband after 15 minutes of fumbling around, he comes in, puts on a glove and shoves it back up inside and then says, okay, there's the ureter. Now put the, you know, put the catheter in and she... After that, she goes, I swear to God, I'm never having kids. And she never has. <laughs> wow, yeah. It's, uh, dude, pregnancy is so hard on women's bodies, man. I, Brutal. It, I mean, it really... It, from... I've done it twice. I'm going to tell you right now. My body was not my own. I don't even know whose body this is anymore. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys go through quite a bit. I have to give you that. It's brutal. It's so brutal. And this book is for men and women because everybody gets their... Everybody gets their, you know, pays their dues, plumbing, urologically speaking, right? Yeah. 100% of us at some point in our lives are going to have to go see a urologist. Yeah, well, now I'm going to have to go see a, a t- test, see about some testosterone because... Uh, oh, yeah. Get on that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'll find your awesome wood again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... I'm going to have to check out the book for sure. Uh, you got anything? We're going to wrap this up. It's uh, 59 yeah, you minutes. You need to go. You got to go. Yeah. Um, 
So do you want to plug anything, uh, your book, uh, social media, anything that you want to uh, promote other than that? Um, just the book. Um, I have a website, imarriedaddictdoctor.com, and you can go out on my website. I have podcasts out there. I have information about me. You can order my book from there. But my book is available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble. You can get it in uh, audiobook. I have it on audible.com and Google Play and Apple Play. And my book is also available in 14 languages because I wanted to help people all around the world. If I could have written it in every language, I would have, but it's expensive to write it in a different language. So I stopped at 14 languages and, um, and I want to help people. So your, your urological problem can be solved. So take my book to your urologist and get your quality of life back. That's a great point to end it on. And I want to thank you for being a guest on the show and reaching out to me. We made this happen pretty quick. I think you reached out to me yesterday, the day before yesterday. I did. Yes. And, uh, you know, but it's something that I, I, I was curious about and I want to talk more about people that, you know, or more to people that, you know, are, are bringing information that's good and that's helpful to others. So thank you. And I really appreciate it. And I will reach back out to you when this gets closer to publish and uh, hopefully I will have read some of the book by the time I do my intro uh, so I can have more to talk about. So I have it on audiobook, which might be easier for you, because if you have ADD, you're not going to read. No, you're, you're right. Don't, don't buy a book. Download it on Audible. I think you can, get, I think you can download it free because Audible's always given everybody five free credits. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I, I think I've had Audible. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah. For sure. You're right. Yeah. Thank, thank, thank you for saving me uh, some money. Yeah, don't read. Just download. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Madeline. Well, thank you. I appreciate you spending time with me today. And uh, I, good luck to you in the book. And uh, have fun with Thanks. the dick doctor still. Uh, keep keep having do. fun with the dick doctor. I do, man. He knows all the secrets. <laughs> I, I bet he does. <laughs> all right. Bye. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue-collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.